This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. So it's no secret, product launches have a lot of moving parts, tons of moving parts. If you're thinking about launching a product or product feature, there's a ton of research, coordination, planning that you'll need to put into it and a lot of time that goes into it. Marketing, product, sales, CX teams, all of them need to work together to ensure the product launch success. Ooh, that word success. What does that even mean when you're talking about product launch? How do you measure success of a product launch, of a feature, a product feature launch? And who's responsible for what? Right? So these are some questions that we're going to explore today. And joining me on the call today is Derek Osgood, founder, founder and CEO of Ignition, the first real platform for go-to-market. Derek, welcome to the show, my friend. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Really pumped to chat about this, and uh, I love that intro. It's uh, you, you're kind of touching on all, all the big questions here. <laughs> yeah, all, all of the things. So before we get into the conversation, tell us about you. Uh, founder is a big deal. Congratulations. That's awesome. Tell us about you. Tell us about Ignition. Yeah, I mean, I'm basically a, I'm a reformed product marketing exec who uh, who turned founder. So I reformed. Uh, you know, he says spent most of my career launching launching stuff. Um, you know, early on, I was a I was a PM at PlayStation, launching big AAA games, and then you know I've kind of been around venture backed startups ever since in the tech space. Um, done a lot of early stage, you know, leading marketing teams in payments and field service management, and messaging, all every vertical you can imagine. Um, ended up then launching companies in a incubator in BBVA, and then uh, you know most recently stood up the product marketing function at um, at Rippling, helped them scale scale up from seed to Series B or so. Um, and, you know, essentially uh, just kind of been through all of the pain and process that exists in launching products and features at all of those different stops, big companies, small companies, you know, CPG companies, software companies, pretty much everywhere, been through hundreds of product launches and, um, you know, kind of set out to, to solve the problems that exist here uh, and start Ignition um, a couple of years ago because, I've tried every tool under the sun. None of them really cut it. You know, most teams are, I feel like are hacking all this stuff together through a bunch, like a series of docs and spreadsheets and, you know, maybe a project management tool. And it's, none of them are really built around the the process that exists when launching products for, you know, product marketers and product teams. And none of them really help with the alignment problems that exist there uh, in the way that we're, that we're doing. So, you know, I, I kind of just set out to build a better way to do it. <laughs> So I love that. And better way to do it is always needed, especially when you're talking about product launch and product feature launch. All right, let's get into it. You already started to allude to some of these issues, right? Um, but what are what do you see? I mean, you've, you've done this a, a bunch. What are some common hurdles that product marketers face when they're trying to launch a product or product feature? Oh man, I mean, it, it really, depending on which stage of the process you're talking about, there's a whole cascade of problems that exist. So start you know, wherever you want. Yeah. yeah. So like going up to the very, very beginning, um, oftentimes, you know, there's just hurdles around collecting the insight that feeds into product roadmaps. And so companies, they may ha have a research program, they may be doing research on some kind of continuous basis, 
but oftentimes that research ends up just kind of like living siloed and living in some deck that gets put together by, you know, maybe it's a UX research team and barely ever actually gets used in the actual planning process because people forget that it even exists and it never really makes its way into that flow. So there's no real alignment around the learnings that are captured. Um, then once things actually do make it onto the roadmap, the product marketing team oftentimes gets just flaming bag passes dr dropped onto them last second by the product team. And they don't even know that those things are getting built. And so when it comes time to plan out a launch, whether it's for a product or whether it's for a feature, there's no context that's flowing through. It's just, hey, we built this thing. Can you go figure out how to launch it tomorrow? And, you know, oftentimes that's just like, you know, you only have time to write some copy and write an email uh, instead of actually putting a real commercialization process in place. Um, and so product product teams and product marketing teams oftentimes just are not in, in sync as much as they should be around what's launching with enough proactive time to go plan around it. And then once you actually get into the planning process, it's so fragmented because you have so many different teams involved and so much content that's getting created around this launch. You have all of your strategic documentation, you have the actual execution tracking done, you know, in some kind of task management system. And then you have all your asset management where you have to actually house and somehow get all of the important artifacts that are created in that process to all the different team members that need it. And all of that stuff, because it's so disconnected, you end up losing all of this context when briefing internal teams. And so nobody really knows what's going on status-wise with those launch. Nobody knows where to find key information. And oftentimes those, those cross-functional teams, they need very different levels of it altitude of information. So when you're communicating with them, you basically have to end up spending hours and hours and hours just having either manual launch meetings or sending, you know, copy and paste status updates to different teams that contain different bits and pieces of that launch plan. So the, the internal enablement and communication challenge becomes just incredibly painful. Um, and then measuring it after the fact is also super hard. It's, you know, there's so much noise that's involved in a launch that it's hard to isolate the data. And a lot of teams just, they, they kind of like pat themselves on the back after it's launched and say successful launch without ever even marrying that to real business impact. And so they're, because it's so hard to measure. So there's, there's problems all throughout this life cycle. And uh, it's, it's just, you know, a really challenging process to get right for most companies. What's what's the impact of not getting it right, right? So what's the impact of allowing this fragmentation without cohesive, aligned results and measures and all of those other things that you mentioned? Mentioned. What's the what's the impact? Yeah, I mean, so so end of the day, the the biggest impact that exists here is missed revenue opportunity. It's like when you're launching products and features, they're one of the most impactful things that you can do for your company to create step change in its uh, step change upgrades in, in its growth, like both from a velocity perspective and just overall kind of, you know, increase short-term increases in revenue. Um, the And so when you launch ineffectively, basically what you're doing is you are then resulting in a sales team that's using the wrong messaging, or they're just not promoting the thing that got built because they didn't know that it was coming. And so your internal teams are not effectively enabled to be able to actually go out and create as much of an impact for this new product or feature that you built as they otherwise would be. So you end up just leaving you know, revenue on the table. Things aren't communicated effectively to customers. 
customers get confused. They come talk to support and support doesn't even know that the feature exists. So they don't really know how to answer questions. It makes the company look bad. It confuses customers. You know, it's, it, there, there's all sorts of downstream impacts on the revenue front, but then, you know, also on top of that, it's just a costly process. So if the more time you are spending on, you know, inefficient launch processes, you're involving multiple different execs in this process. There's dozens of stakeholders across the company who are participating in it. It's, and every single one of them has, you know, a salary that you're burning, the more out of their hours that you're burning, the more you're costing your company. And so there's, you know, incredible cost associated with it. And then there's also just incredible, you know, lack of revenue capture if you don't end up launching things, you know, as effectively as you can. Mm. Is there a is there a difference in impact between say uh, uh, launching a new product and the connection to existing customers versus new customers? Mm-hmm. Is that you know what's the connective tissue there? Yeah, I mean, so so definitely. So some obviously some feature and product launches they are more targeted towards your existing customers than others, and some are more targeted towards capturing new customers and opening up new market opportunity. Um, so you know. It kind of depends on which of those your launch is really targeted towards. But um, end of the day, you know, like when you are launching things ineffectively, you're probably going to do a okay job of introducing that to your existing customers because you're probably at minimum, you know, sending some kind of email communication to them. You may be putting something in product to notify them. Those are making some massive assumptions, by the way. I think I think there's a lot of organizations that do so poorly with their product feature launches where they're not even sending those emails it's it's like oh maybe we should send an email and like just never get around to it. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. Please continue. Hundred percent. And so so, but like I you know I think at in a okay case scenario, you may be doing fine at communicating that to your existing customers, but you may not be properly putting the buyer journeys in place to navigate those customers from just trying that feature into actually maybe upgrading to that you know new pricing tier that it's packaged in or really actually translating that into revenue. Um, and then on top of that, you know, most companies, when they do launch things and effectively, they're doing a terrible job at using it as a new user acquisition um, strategy. Like realistically, when you are launching new products and features, almost always, it, if it's a worthwhile thing that you built, then it should be a great opportunity for you to capture external attention for a short period of time around this new thing that you built and drive actual boosts in new signups. And most companies just don't do a good job of that because they don't treat these as marketable moments. They, you know, they think about them as, Hey, we built a thing. We just need to go through the motions and communicate it to our existing customers. But these are real opportunities for you to create events for your company that like really drive new user. Yeah, I love this. Okay, so fantastic. I have two additional follow-up questions. One around product markers, and one uh, the word I heard the word context. Mm-hmm. I think two or three times in your in your opening statement. I want to unpack that as well. What, first about product marketers. Why do you think product marketers are not brought in? I mean, you said sometimes they're not even aware until the product is done. And here, go figure it out. Why do you think that is? 
I personally think that a lot of this comes from product marketers have historically not been good at showing their work, right? Mm -hmm. So there's so much of product marketing that, you know, if you think about a product marketing, like an iceberg, there's so much of it that happens under the surface. And it's like most cross-functional teams, they only kind of see the out, the end deliverables and they see the output, which is, you know, oh, I wrote some copy and there's an email and we're going to send that. But underlying all of that, there's a lot of user research that goes on. There's a lot of um, positioning thinking that goes on that translates into messaging. You then have to come up with a full asset plan and how that's going to actually carry through into the an entire buyer journey, not just like what are the individual pieces of copy or content that we need to create. And so cross-functional teams don't realize how much effort really goes into a product or a feature launch. And so they don't think about how far in advance they really need to be teeing up this stuff for the product marketing team. And also, you know, product managers are kind of in a similar boat as product marketers where they're stretched incredibly thin. And so it's just not top of mind for them. So unless you create a process where you are really kind of like forcing that insertion of product marketing into product management at the roadmapping stage, it's really, really hard to have it happen organically because teams are just busy and they just forget like, oh, we actually need to be doing this external go-to-market facing work that, you know, otherwise we're, we're busy building product. Okay. So I'm hearing a couple things that would, and we're going to get to the context part in a little bit. In fact, you already started to give some hooks for what the context means. We're going to circle back on that, but you spurred on another idea. So you mentioned that, that people don't put in the time or the effort to understand how much time in advance how much work needs to actually be put into this prior to right pre-production if we're in the in the film business or if you're in you know making uh, video games it's how much pre-production actually needs to go into it and it turns out it's a ton in fact that's where you either win or lose in your pre-production what kpis or metrics should you measure when launching a product at the various (laughs) stages across the, 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 the 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 process the program yeah. So, I mean, I think there, there's a couple of quantitative ones and there's a couple of qualitative ones. So at the qualitative level, the post, post-launch, post you should be doing retrospectives and really measuring essentially internal NPS. So you should be measuring whether, like how well enabled your sales and success teams feel by that specific launch and how prepared they were to be able to go and promote it. So they'll have thoughts on this. You, you can basically just do a, you know, and in an NPS survey internally on how you felt like that specific launch went. Um, but at a quantitative level, ultimately, like you should be mapping this back to your core business metrics. So your company should have, you know, probably five to 10 kind of North star metrics that they're really tracking against. Usually that's revenue, retention, you know, activation rates, you know, very, various kind of like business level metrics that are happening. Um, and, at for that specific launch, what you should be looking at is incrementality there. It's how did that launch contribute to a step change in that metric and or, you know, how did it contribute to a change in, you know, the slope of the line and the velocity of that metric. And so, you know, a lot of companies, what they do is they just kind of measure adoption and they're like, how many people actually used this feature that we built? And that's great. But the reason that you built that feature isn't just to get people to use it, right? The the reason that you built that feature is because you think it's going to meaningfully change 
revenue, or you think it's going to meaningfully change activation rate, or you think it's going to open up a new market. And so you really need to be measuring against those business KPIs, which I know they're harder to measure for that specific launch and isolate from the other activity that's going on within the company, but you can do it. And, and you really just need to go, you know, do the legwork to track that stuff. Um, the other, the other stuff that a lot, I see a lot of teams doing is measuring kind of usage rates of specific assets that they're creating. So like how often are sales teams actually using the content that product marketing created as part of this launch. And, you know, sometimes they're going a step further and actually marrying that stuff to revenue and looking at, you know, deals won and deals lost and saying, Hey, based on, you know, this piece of content getting used, these deals closed and that had X revenue contribution, but, um, and it's a similar concept when you're talking about launches themselves. It's, you know, you can marry that of users who adopted this feature, how many of them ended up actually converting to upsells or cross sells or, you know, new, new product upgrades. Um, so, you know, it, it's tough to say what the specific metrics are that based on your business, but, you know, end of the day, it's whatever your core business metrics are, that's what you should be measuring your launches against, not just, you know, did people use it? So is this coming back to the idea of success? What is success anyway? Is this is success defined by the measurement against the, the KPIs that or the measurements that I mean, what what is success with product product marketing or product marketing launch? Yeah. So I think the the success element is yes, did it actually drive business metrics? Um, but there's a lot more underneath that as well. So you also need to be measuring. Did we learn stuff? So it's possible that your launch may have been extremely successful and effective in educating your internal company about where your roadmap should be going because failed launches can be just as you know successful in the sense that they're helping to drive the business forward as you know quote unquote successful ones because oftentimes you you may be just extracting new knowledge that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten. So you know, it's mostly like, did you drive the business metrics that you care about? Did your, were your internal teams prepared enough to be able to actually effectively sell and promote that product? And did you have a process in place to capture learnings after the fact and understand why whatever happened post launch happened the way that it did? Um, but yeah, I mean, end of the end of the day, like launches are successful when they actually drive the the KPIs that you're you're setting out to drive with them. Um, and you know, it's not just did you ship the thing effectively; it's did you drive those metrics by doing all that internal planning and and enablement work that's needed in order to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I, I want to come back, and we've already started to allude to this, but uh, KPIs. Um, new business versus existing customers, they have a different feel to them. There's a different process for customer acquisition versus customer retention, which some some argue is the same thing, but it's not, in my opinion. I think it's a very different motion. Um, so are, are there different metrics from your perspective? Are there different metrics for measuring uh, you know, new business versus existing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, realistically, like when you're looking at new business, you're probably looking at a sign, some kind of sign up or active user, new active user metric. Um, and in that case, you know, basically like the, the easiest thing to do is look at a control period, you know, based on X number of weeks that you've had where you weren't really doing any kind of crazy new 
feature introduction, et cetera. Um, what's your kind of baseline acquisition look like? And then you can look at within, you know, a launch window, whether that's 30, 60, 90 days, you know, whatever window you're, you're really like have activity going on around this launch. How did that number or how did that baseline increase to, you know, a, a new kind of level of incrementality? Um, the, on the retention front, oftentimes it's a little fuzzier. So you can look at, again, like of users who ended up adopting this feature, what's their retention rate relative to the retention rate of your broader user base or relative to the retention rate of the people who didn't end up adopting that feature. So that's the simplest way to look at it, but you're also going to have like customer satisfaction um, metrics that you're measuring there as well. So you're going to be looking at like CSAT or NPS based on people, again, people who ended up adopting and using that feature versus those who didn't. And so oftentimes you're, you know, this is where you need to be working really tightly with your customer success teams and with your, with your customer support teams to make sure that that stuff is being tracked in addition to just raw retention metrics, because sometimes that retention, maybe, you know, they're coming, they're coming in and they're sticking around and using that feature a lot, but they're not actually retaining on your core metric that or on your core usage uh, act, action that you really want them doing in the product in order to drive future conversion and revenue. So, um, you know, it's, it's important to measure both like customer health and happiness, as well as the actual direct usage. Oh, well, that's, that yeah, it's, that's phenomenal. I love that. Okay. So we've talked about, you know, um, hurdles, metrics, new biz, existing retention. Let's talk about who, so, so who needs, who should be involved and take ownership of these KPIs that you've laid out? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, everybody in the company should be involved in, in launches, you know, and, and I think it's too often a failure of companies where they just kind of dump this on product marketing and they're like, Hey, go figure out how to launch this. And they, they don't really enable, they, they don't provide the support infrastructure that's needed in order for them to be effective with that. And other teams kind of don't pay attention enough to the launch that's happening because they've got their own other conflicting priorities. So end of the day, you know, like this should be driven by product marketing. Product management should be intimately involved in that as well. And those two teams should be working kind of like joined at the hip throughout the process. Um, but you're going to want to involve stakeholders from sales, success, demand gen, comms, all of the other teams that are involved in communicating outwards to customers because they're the ones who actually have to take whatever strategy is created in the launch process and go and execute it. And so they should be involved at the very outset in that planning motion. So they at least have context as they're building out their execution plans, you know, closer to the actual launch date itself. Um, but so every, I mean, everybody's involved, but, you know, ultimately product marketing should be kind of like in the, in the captain seat driving it. And then, you know, product management is working really tightly with them on that as well. So the strategy, um, man, I've heard. I've, I've seen some sharks and jets moments where there was dance fighting. I mean, it was, it's been ugly, but who owns the strategy, right? Is it product? Is it marketing? Is it sales? Is it product? Market? Who is share Derek, from your perspective, you've done this a bunch of times with lots of different organizations strategy. Where does it typically live? Where, who should own strategy? Yep. So, I mean, ultimately it's, it's, you need to have a decision maker on this stuff. And, you know, I, I think if everybody owns it, nobody owns it. 
oftentimes a lot of teams try and treat, especially elements like pricing strategy when it comes to launches as this kind of shared thing where everybody has a, has ownership of it. But ultimately, like in, in my opinion, and this is the best, what I've seen in the best orgs that I've been a part of, product marketing does own that kind of go-to-market strategy. Obviously, product strategy is still owned by the product team. So what is getting built? What's the rollout phasing and process look like for that? But product marketing should really be driving, how are we positioning this product? How are we pricing it? How are we packaging it? And obviously you need input from all of those other teams though. So it's while product marketing is ultimately the one who should be the decision maker and who should be owning and driving and making sure that that strategy is getting built, getting informed with the right context, getting communicated to the right people, um, you are going to be using inputs from sales, from finance, from customer success, all of those other teams are going to be, be, you know, involved in it. And you should be, you know, working at, in the cross-functional way to get that stuff finalized. But end of the day, you know, like one team needs to own it. And, and in the best works that I've seen, typically that's product marketing. That makes sense to me, but you, you've, you've painted a picture that it can be daunting and not you painted a picture, but you've, this is just a could be a daunting situation tons of different teams lots of different teams mm-hmm. alignment how do we create that alignment between these various teams throughout the entire launch process how do how do you do this yeah i mean so this is a big part of like why we built ignition is you know i, I think the the biggest thing is making sure that that context is married to the actual planning content so you're not actually just saying, hey, here's the specific tasks that are assigned to everybody, go do them. And you know, when teams think about this process as kind of a checklist, oftentimes that's the issue is they, they end up assigning a bunch of tasks out to people. And those cross-functional folks are like, okay, well, I got this thing assigned to me, but I don't really know why it's assigned to me the way that it is. I don't really know why I'm doing this. I don't even know why this launch is important. And so the what you need to do is you need to be pulling that research into the whole process. So everybody can see the background on why you're actually launching the thing that you're launching. You need to be really, really clear on objectives and what are the metrics that you are trying to optimize for? What are the outcomes of this launch that are going to define success so that everybody is able to pull in the same direction against those objectives? And then when you are actually in the planning motion, you need to make sure that like everybody has a very clear picture of exactly what's going on, what decision points have been made and why those things have been made based on, you know, whatever research or cross-functional input have been collected to feed into that stuff. And so you need to create kind of a source of truth where everybody can go have a clear picture of the aggregate process that's being followed around the launch and those folks need to need to also be collaborating directly. So the, you know, there's stuff that can happen in a tool. There's also stuff that you know needs to happen outside of that. Like you should be having regular kind of stakeholder meetings with those folks. You should have a, a ongoing cadence where there's at least like one champion from each team who is aware of what's going on with that launch and directly inputting into it. And then those people can be champions across their broader org when people start asking questions about like, oh, why are we, why are we positioning it this way? We should be positioning it this other way. They can then provide that context about like, no, here's why, why this decision was made. Here's the research that's backing it up. 
here's the the conversations that happened as part of this you know tighter go to market group um and it it just helps to communicate much more cleanly across all those different teams i think i heard you say content content matched to no context matched to content did yeah. i did i hear that right yep Okay. I love this. So context and storytelling, that's typically settings and character, right? Give me a better understanding of when you say content context for product launches, Mm -hmm. give me the context of the context. Yeah. So oftentimes it's look, here's what the product does today, which everybody has that context. Everybody knows like what the, what the current state of the product is. And here's the roadmap. So one of the elements of context is what's the roadmap. So what are the things that we are going to build down the road and why are, and then related to that is why are we doing that? Which that, why are we doing that is typically grounded in competitive insight and customer insight. So you're typically looking at, Hey, here's a feature set that competitors have that we don't, which is table stakes for our industry. And we need to go build this so that we can be at feature parity or so that we can be you know, competitive against them because it's differentiated from them. You need to have context into customers. Why are, why are customers saying that this thing is valuable to us? And so oftentimes that's, you know, persona research, understanding, you know, what their need states are, what their, you know, what their goals and frustrations are, as well as, you know, potentially why are, why are there blockers in their buying process? You know, if there's like pricing issues where oftentimes, you know, it's like they're not buying us because our pricing package is too expensive because we don't have this feature, then, you know, that's important context that needs to get passed through there as well. So the the why are we building the thing in the first place is probably the most important piece of context for everybody. And there's a lot of stuff underneath that, like I just said. Um, the other thing is, why are we launching it the way that we are launching it, which is really what are those objectives that we're trying to drive? What are the, what are the KPIs that we're trying to move, which then dictates the tactical execution that's being done in that launch. So it's what are the metrics that we're trying to move? That's going to dictate what are the channels that we've chosen to activate for this launch. It's going to dictate what assets we're creating. It's going to dictate what positioning we're using. And all of those, all of those things are also then important context to what are the specific tasks that everybody needs to do. So, you know, everybody eventually like this boils down to a checklist where it's everybody has a, what do I need to do in order to make this thing successful? But backing up to that, you have multiple different, why are we doing these things the way that we're doing, which need to be married to that. So that's perfect in your mind um, or in my mind, as you're talking, I hear um, setting and character are part of the context, but part of context is also the conflict that you're, that you're going after. Well, like what's the, the conflict from current state to desired state, where are those gaps? And that's a little bit of our, why, what we're doing, why is the, why important in product launch? I understand for at the individual level, but for product launch, why is understanding the why so important for the different teams? Yeah. So it's important, like one, from a motivation perspective, because again, other teams have their own priorities. It's like your sales team has 15 different things they can be selling. But if that product launch is the most important thing for the company at that given point, you need to make sure that they are motivated and they understand why that thing is going to be valuable. They, they need to understand also why they, as a rep, are going to be able to make a higher, like hit a higher hit more than their quota by selling it. So you need to be able to 
like encourage those cross-functional teams to focus on this launch. Otherwise they just won't like they'll, they, they've got other stuff going on. They'll do a cursory, like included in an email and that's probably the extent they'll do anything. So part of it is motivation. Um, the second part of it is so that you can create consistency of execution. So the, the other big part, the reason that like teams end up getting off message and teams end up all like in every individual sales rep or support person or marketer that's you know building out campaigns is using slightly different messaging on the things that you've built is again because they don't really understand why it is what it is so they're applying their own lens of context of like why do i think that this is important to it and they're adjusting based on their assumptions of your customer base and your and your competitive space and when they do that, they end up just creating their own stuff because they're like, well, I don't like fully buy into and I don't fully believe this strategy. So I'm going to just do it this other way because I think it's going to be more effective. And that's not that that ends up degrading the effectiveness of everything that's being done because you then don't have consistent messaging being pushed out in the market. You don't have consistent execution across different channels. There's not connectivity between each of those individual channel activities so then your buying journey ends up having breakpoints where you know there may not be clean handoffs from a marketing campaign into your activation funnel into other parts of the product and so it's really just about making sure that everybody is motivated to pull in the same direction around this launch okay so we're a win-loss company Right. And, and we collect buyer and customer feedback throughout the entire customer journey. So I'm curious from your perspective, how, how do you see buyer feedback playing, you know, playing into product launch? Tell us about this. Uh, hugely important. I mean, realistically, this is probably one of the number one reasons that launches fails because companies don't do enough collection of buyer insight into when they're going through these launch processes. You know, they'll, they'll kind of bake their positioning, their messaging, their channel strategy off of their own internal assumptions of what they think that they know about customers. But oftentimes when you go out and you're building a new product, you should be getting the, those customers on the phone at every single step of that launch. You should be first getting them on the phone once the thing hits the roadmap to understand if the thing that you're building is the right thing. And if it's solving a real pain point, then you should be getting them on the phone to understand, hey, like if we were to build this, why would that be important to you? Because that helps shape your positioning. Then once you're past the positioning stage, you need to be getting them on the phone to understand how you're messaging that product. And you should be comparing, you know, you should be doing message testing live with customers all through that process. Because if you don't do that in that process, then what you're doing is you're just going to push out a message all over all of your channels. And it, if it's not the right message, it's going to fall flat and be ineffective so if you haven't gut checked that with a tighter group of customers up front and done real message testing, whether it's on calls, whether it's through surveys, whether it's through small beta tests, you know, in, in across some of your marketing channels, then you're going to end up communicating the thing ineffectively and, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to end up buying it and adopting it. So, you know, you can't base and, and the, by very nature, product launches and feature launches, like you're introducing a new thing into the world. So it's not based on your existing messaging, your existing positioning, like there's inherently newness to it. So you can't just assume that everything that has worked in the past and that everything that is your existing context 
is still going to apply in this case. You have to treat it as, as if you're launching, you know, functionally a new company. And you need to be thinking from first principles about how that thing changes the story that you're telling those customers. So, I, man, that makes perfect sense for me. Why alignment is so paramount, why the context matters so much, because if you don't, you're going to have that fracturing. And, and even if you have a one degree of separation, the further you get away, the bigger the distance in the in that gap that that creates all the way to the customer. So that, that makes good sense. Let's talk about tactics. What tactical things can uh, our listeners do, right, to, to help drive product adoption and ensure success? Yeah. So, I mean, again, like when, as you probably kind of picked up from, from a lot of the stuff I'm saying here, like when I, I get asked a lot about like, what tactics should we use to like build buzz for new product launch? And the reality is like, I I tend to kind of dance away from that question a bit because the tactics don't really matter. Like the way that you're actually building buzz for that specific launch, like it just doesn't matter. There's lots of ways you can do it. You can use, you can advertise, you can use social, you can go get press. There's lots of that stuff. All of it works. The thing that's most important is whether or not you have built the right strategy and whether or not you have enabled your team internally. So the, the biggest things that I suggest focusing on are first focus on your internal process before thinking about like, what are the customer facing tactics that are being used here? Um, so to do that one, build a research process. So it, that can start as simply as literally anytime a, you know, create a list of five to 10 customers that you, that are some of your power users. And every single time you're launching a new thing, just go call them up and be like, Hey, we're launching this new thing. Can I talk to you about it for 15 minutes? I just need to ask you, you know, like how you position, like how you position this, you know, bounce some messaging off of you, see how that resonates, see what it says to you. Um, at a more advanced level, you can start actually building in real message testing processes to be able to actually like A-B test messaging with beta groups to be able to conduct message testing surveys, that sort of thing. Um, so create some kind of like very simple lightweight process around just getting talking to customers for a day as part of the process when launching new things. The second thing is build in order to make sure that, that context flows through the way that you know we were talking about earlier is build a source of truth that is kind of a launch hub that includes what are what's the actual status and like project management around that launch what's all the strategic doc like houses all the strategic documentation it has if not the research directly embedded into it then at least like is linking out to that research really clearly so that people can go get that context into why and it also is accessible to everybody across the company. And it's not just going to get lost in search. Like if you just put it, you know, a lot of companies, what they'll do is they'll create some like master doc and it's a Google, Google slide deck or a Google doc or, you know, something else. And they expect everybody else to go find it. The reality is nobody can find it because if you're relying on people to search for it, they just won't. So you need to create like a very clear hub where it's the source of truth for every single launch that you are doing. And everybody knows exactly where to go to find information when they're curious about a launch. Um, And then the third thing is I really encourage teams to create more of a pulsing motion of communication to cross-functional teams. So you should set up some kind of system where every week, every month, every, you know, even every day for the, for the core kind of launch team, you are pulsing out an update that includes 
what's the current status of the launch? What's changed with the strategy? And like, what's the why behind why we're doing what we're doing? And then any new developments and assets and you know strategic docs that have been created since the previous update. So everybody across the company knows exactly what's coming, when, and what is important. What are the like three or four most important things to know about that launch? Um, and that should be you know a regular pulse outwards to at least your core launch team. Ideally, you know there's a version of this that's going out to the broader company usually that's on a monthly basis. We're saying, here's the like five things that we launched last month. Here's the five things that we're launching this month. And here's the key messaging for each of those things so that you're aware that they're coming. You can start talking to people about them. Um, so that should be a consistent pulse of information and it should be happening on a regular cadence. It should also be, you know, going to all those stakeholders, um, whether it's through email or Slack or, you know, however you want to communicate it. Um, but I think, you know, the, the source of truth and the pulsing of communication ends up solving for so many of these. So many, so many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what advice, what single piece of advice would you give our listeners that might be looking for ways of, of going from maybe poor product launch to even good or heaven forbid, great product launch? What's that single point of advice that you would give them to help them start moving in the right direction? Yeah. So, I mean, Honestly, the, the biggest piece of advice I would give is just go sign up for Ignition because we basically give it to you out of the box and you know your whole process will be there without you needing to really pick up a finger. Um, but I think you know uh, beyond that, if, you, if you're trying to do this SANS tool, um, I Which think- Which good luck, right? Yeah, good good luck. I mean, for that's that's honestly the, the real answer. But you know, the, the single biggest piece of advice I would give is start with- pulling the right team together. It's pull, get those, that one stakeholder from each of those cross-functional teams that are involved in execution around a launch and put them in a room. And every single time you're creating a new launch, have weekly meetings. You know, the weekly meetings are kind of painful for everybody. They're, you know, it's a lot of time suck, but get all of those people in the same room talking about the strategy. So then, you know, you are, nobody's going to be in the dark at least, and at least some of the communication can be handled manually um, and make sure that you have, you know, there's a lot of templates out there. So just, you know, pull the right documentation that you're going to need around that launch plan and make sure that you're actually just going through the steps, you know, realistically, like a lot of launch checklists, they can feel really heavy, you don't need to spend forever on each of those steps within that launch process, but you do need to actually make sure that you're at least ticking all the boxes and that you're at least thinking through all those considerations around making sure that, you know, support and sales are told about the launch and they're enabled with all the materials that they need and that you're doing the research that's needed in order to inform that launch up front and that you're actually thinking through positioning, messaging, how that translates into an asset plan and how that translates into a communication plan. So, you know, it's, it's basically just, you know, build more rigor. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately it's, it's kind of a hand wavy answer that includes a lot of stuff underneath it, but, you know, go and go and actually put a process in place first and foremost, because if you don't have one, you're just going to be winging it and it's just going to be ad hoc and you're going to miss steps and you're going to not communicate effectively internally. So you need to document a process. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, it's so many people 
uh, when product launches fail, I hear oh, our strategy, ah, you know, eh, the behavior, the people in, in, in partially maybe, but really when there's no policy process or system that exists to support behavior, what are you expecting? I mean, it's going to fail. Yep. So uh, this advice is beautiful, one that I've heard and I've given myself and heard many times. So yep. this is helpful. Derek, any last any part last parting wisdom before we end our show today? No, I mean, I, just to that point, you know, I, there, McKinsey did a ton of research on the launch process um, a couple of years ago, and they looked at hundreds of companies. And basically, you know, their takeaway was the num, none of the things that you think correlate to launch success or launch failure like budgets or how frequently you're launching or how big your team is. None of those things actually had any correlation to launch success. The number one thing that had extremely high correlation was exactly what you just said. It's that you have one, have a repeatable process Two, you're using insights in the, in those law, in that launch and three, that you are enabling and coordinating across all communicating across all the different teams that need that information. So, you know, it's, you just, hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Mike drop exit stage left. Derek, man, this has been a fun conversation. Thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. For more from our friends at Ignition and from us here at Primary Intelligence, check out the show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And remember, no deal is out of reach. We'll see you next time.